In today's episode, we'll be speaking about how to get your career off the ground in Paris or France. I will be speaking with a client of mine who I've been working with for the last year on how to develop her career in Paris. You will hear so many great tips and advice that you can use if you are looking to get your career off the ground in Paris or France. So let's get into today's episode. So today I'm speaking with Rebecca Devani, who is Paris's go-to person for embroidery. Uh, she works in some of the most well-known haberdasheries in Paris. Um, Rebecca is a textile artist, researcher, and educator. And after working for haute couture embroidery ateliers in Paris, such as Dior, Valentino, and Chanel, just to name a few, she's now currently teaching others and she gives private embroidery classes in different um, areas here in Paris. And she also runs textile tours of Paris, which I hear is very good. And this, these tours, she gives her clients a behind the, a behind the scenes look of the textile world. Um, so Rebecca has moved here from Ireland. <laughs> yes. Right? So you'll hear that nice Irish accent. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Rebecca, how long have you actually been here in Paris? Um, I have been here for two and a half years. I arrived in September 2017. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. So yeah. today we're just going to be having a bit of a talk about how to, um, make your, you know, make yourself unique to use the qualities and education and work experience you have, uh, to be able to integrate into the French sort of, um, working environment, but to use it as something to help you stand out also, and to make you sort of, uh, different from everybody else, which is what you've been able to do. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we're going to talk a bit about that. So I'm just going to start off with the first question. Why did you move to Paris? Well, I moved here uh, to study haute couture embroidery, which I could only study at Ecole Lesage. Um, and then I also wanted to get a bit of work in the haute couture ateliers afterwards. And obviously Paris is the centre of haute couture and haute couture embroidery. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. we all know that Absolutely, much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, when you when you came to when you were coming to Paris to to work here, you know, once you decided that that's what you wanted to do, um, how did you prepare for that transition? I think, to be honest, Monday, I didn't prepare enough. Um, okay. I certainly knew about embroidery and the embroidery class, but I knew nothing about French uh, work ethics, what's considered professional here, how to break into the job market. Um, so all of that was learning on the go. On the job. Okay, so you just showed up with your bags and you're like, let's go. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Knocked on the door with my scissors and, <laughs> and said, please give me a job. So yeah, that's how it worked. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's a very, I would say, Anglophone approach to finding a job, right? Yeah, absolutely. I had heard about these very long and formal letters that you're meant to write in advance. Um but I just wasn't prepared to do that and I didn't have the time. Uh, yeah. So I needed to find a quicker way to get into the job place. Okay, so you just rocked up. So that's that's one tip for everybody. If you want a job, show up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think it's one of those things, it's not done here. People don't just knock yeah. on doors or pound the pavement. So when you do show up, people are quite taken aback. Um, and they often kind of, you're given 
entry where usually it can take a very long time to even get a response yes, to a letter here. Yes, yes. And yeah. so that was one of the shortcuts you were able to make. But seeing as you didn't really um, know very much about the job market, would you say was that a good thing or a bad thing in, in a way? What, what disadvantages or advantages was that coming with not so much knowledge? I think um, if I were to do it all over again, uh, I would do an awful lot more preparation. Okay. Uh, but that's on reflection. That's hindsight. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, and I think what happened with the lack of preparation meant that I was learning everything on the go, which meant that it was very challenging because bearing in mind that I was also doing it all through French, living in a foreign country, mm. getting used mm. to the culture. So it was a very difficult um, period of adjustment. Yes. And do you, do you feel as though that it, that it, that you lost, that you wasted some time or that you kind of, was it stressful to be in that position? What, what, what would you say you were feeling when you were going through that transition and realizing that, okay, there was some, there's some huge cultural differences here, the way we work and the way things, um, are happening. Yeah, I think I found it very stressful because, you know, number one, I was working in a new uh, in a new field. I hadn't worked yeah. as a Hokkaido embroiderer before. I was working in a new language uh, and then I was working in a new workplace. Uh, so it's certainly what I mean, the levels of stress. Where yeah, I can imagine. High. I've been there. I've yeah. been there. Yeah. 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 And you're you know, you're trying to do everything you're translating everything in your head, you're trying to figure out what's actually going on around you, and then you're trying to give a response that's culturally appropriate. Yeah, um, yeah. All of that in five seconds. Yeah, so. <laughs> Stress is one word. But that's word. the huge thing. I think I think one of the things that I, I like that you said is like culturally appropriate. Mm -hmm. It's I think that's one of the biggest things that people tend to forget, that what's culturally appropriate for one person is not culturally appropriate for another person. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from my point of view, what I was finding is that the the French workplace um, is very difficult for, say, Irish people and Japanese people because levels of um, professionalism or courtesy um, mm. and certainly... The politesse. Of, la politesse. <laughs> it's very, it can be very shocking. Yeah. Um, and where there is certainly a lot of hierarchy... Mm. And you're saying vous, a monsieur et madame. It's it's that side of it, the, la politesse, and what's accepted in the workplace here mm, mm, would mm. not necessarily be accepted in the workplace in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I think when it came to learning about the polite way, who do you call vous, and for oh, how yeah. long, and in what situations is that appropriate? And people use that to see if you're professional or not. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. So when you came, did you speak French already? I had studied French uh, up until I was 18. Mm -hmm. uh, so on the way over, I, I just thought that all of that French would miraculously come back. <laughs> and then realized that it was 20 years on, nearly, and that no yes. languages don't miraculously come back. Um, so I'm very lucky in that yeah. I have a good French accent, but I have terrible French grammar. 
Um, yeah, to join the crowd. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great club to be in. So I spent the first two years really smiling and nodding. Okay. Um, and that got me very far. Yeah, um, people want to talk about themselves. So, absolutely. you know. <laughs> yeah. And I think because I would be quite kind of observant and I can be, you know, quick in certain situations, I could see what was going on and I could play along so it gave you more of that being the observer position absolutely by not being able to engage which can be very important when you're trying to figure out how you fit into that how you fit into the whole uh environment that you're in so what do you think um has been the biggest culture shock working in france for me the biggest culture shock um and what led me to making changes in how i work in france uh, was really was um, um, the treatment of staff in the workplace. Mm, mm, mm. Now I was working in a very particular industry um, that you know where you're in a very very stressful environment with an awful lot of pressure, but um, the way in which members of staff were spoken to by management was just unacceptable for me. Right. Okay. So it was something you never seen in Ireland the way oh absolutely not I think <laughs> my goodness not at all I mean it, it's it just never even comes up in Ireland because it's totally illegal okay um to have to be spoken to in that manner in the workplace and it's not to say that I was I was spoken to once in that manner but I think because it's so shocking, I was able to, to respond very quickly. Yeah. This is unacceptable and yeah. therefore, you know, I need to stand up for myself. But it's also quite difficult to watch other people being spoken to in that manner. And yeah, who may not have the same courage to speak up for themselves because they don't know anything different. That's it, exactly. And because I was working as a contract embroiderer. So I worked in several different studios and got to see several different workplaces and um quite frequently after mm. i would say you know this isn't acceptable or you know maybe we can talk about this in another manner or later other french people would follow suit they would be okay. quite taken so aback. you were the example well i was in a very conscious <laughs> don't be a rebel and she started know. a movement people she was like we got workers right you're not gonna talk yeah, to me absolutely. like that yeah. <laughs> well i wasn't so you know you can't obviously fight other people's battles but i definitely wasn't going to allow myself to be treated that way well um, you know great yeah. great for you yeah, yeah great for you great for you so what would you say has been the hardest thing about moving to paris Moving to Paris, not necessarily being in the workplace or anything, what's hardest for me is the administration. But I think that's yeah. a shared experience. <laughs> yes, even for French people, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> being on both ends of the spectrum, French and Anglophones, the French administration is something that none of us are quite prepared for. <laughs> no, not at all, because you hear about it and you're like, oh, it can't be that bad, but it really it is worse. Um, and... Uh, it's like sometimes I feel like I'm in a Dickens novel, you know, waiting three hours outside an office and then it's the wrong office and missing a document and, you know. You're always missing a document. There's always a document missing. I That's know. for sure. I know. Yeah. It's like never go to now. an appointment in France and think it's going to be just that one time. No. No. No, no. Yeah, you're really engaged. You're committed. Mm. You know, one appointment is going to lead to ten. <laughs> So yeah, I find that really difficult and it's just, it's so inefficient and it's such a waste of time <laughs> that, and it's very frustrating 
um well it's frustrating because number one you can it's very difficult to express yourself when you get sure, frustrated or sure. angry your french yeah. Whether French it's good is or not, bad, it just exactly. goes out the window. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And when you're in those situations, it's just it's even the same in English. It's like when mm -hmm. someone says something new to you and you walk away, you're like, I should have said this. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when you know what's going on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what piece of advice would you give someone who's who's thinking about moving to Paris on how to deal with that administrative uh, load? How did you help yourself to get through that? through all the bureaucracy and things that you had to do just to be able to start your your career and your life here? I would recommend as much as possible. I'm recommending this again in hindsight because I didn't do it. <laughs> so I would recommend getting in touch with expat groups and expat associations because they're, like I said, it's a shared experience. Mm -hmm. And there are people in those groups and associations who are more than happy to help you out with your carte vitale and your taxi habitation and yeah. all of these things that you have no idea what they are, but they're all asking you for documents and money often as well. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's free around yeah, don't here. Don't pay anything until you know what it is. <laughs> no, but that's true. I mean, and I had the same experience for me, different from, uh, different from you. When I came, I had already looked at all the expat associations that were here. Mm -hmm. I found a place to volunteer and it was that support Yes. Of other people who already been through it. They already know exactly what you need to do. And normally they're really, really open to giving you a hand if you need it. So, yeah, yeah I think that's something everyone can take away from. You know, if you're just moving to Paris and you're having a hard time, you know, go to all of these different groups for Anglophones, expatriates. They're there to help. Absolutely. Yeah. And there is, I think the Anglophone cultures um, were a lot warmer I would say mm. whereas the French culture can be more reserved um, mm. so it is nice to touch base and connect with people where there's that kind of immediate friendliness yeah. um, whereas with French people it just takes a bit longer to build up relationships yeah. and that can lead to you feeling kind of lost or lonely yeah so, it's that yeah. Is feeling isolated like you're by yourself you're feeling rejected Mm -hmm. You know, it can bring up all those feelings when it's just they treat everyone like that, and you just need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You just need to know how to get through it, and you know, and someone just to, and you know, you look at a form and you may not understand everything on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. What do they want from you? You know, so it's always good to have that support. Um. So, um. My next question is, we're going to, I just would like to talk more about your work. So can you explain to me what it is that you, you do? I mean, I know very little about embroidery, so I would love to be enlightened. Wow, you're speaking to the right person. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I came, like I said, I came here to study embroidery and the idea was that I would incorporate um, the embroidery that I learned into my own art practice. Okay. So as you said, I work as an, a textile artist, a researcher and a teacher. And that was one of the things that I realized when I came here. Whereas at home in Ireland, being, you know, multi-talented, yeah. being able to multitask, that's so appreciated and lauded. Whereas here, 
because of their education system, mm. people tend to specialize in one specific yeah, area. Yeah, and you're not supposed to veer off from that area. Oh, heaven forbid you even look in the other direction. No, 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 no. You keep your blinkers on and you specialize and you become a master. And you, and you focus. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So as I was, you know, that journey of kind of learning about embroidery and learning about the history of it. And, you know, I write a good bit now about the history and origins of embroidery. Because um, you have a very successful blog, right? From what I can gather. That's right. Yeah, I think the teacher side uh, comes out, and I thought it would be lovely to share my journey with people, um, and just step by step what it was like going through um, going through my training. And I, yeah, there's a very very positive response to it. People contact me every week asking for tips. So where can people find that blog? What's your website? They can find the blog on my website, which is uh, Rebecca ie actually so it's www.rebeccadevani.ie um, okay. and I think you know I documented it week by week which was great yeah and I felt like I hear getting here getting feedback from people felt like I was connecting again so that was yeah. great yeah um, and as far as the research goes I mean what 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 does that entail when you're research are you researching different cultures different types of embroidery is that is that yeah, I suppose my interest in embroidery um, is really about the, um, the narratives that it can reveal, mostly okay. about women. All right. Uh, once you start asking questions, and what's brilliant is that most people haven't started asking questions of women, you know, why do you do embroidery? What's it like for you? What does it say about you? So I've previously done a big research project on Mexican hand embroidery. Okay. And then while I was here in Paris, I had, you know, direct access to hokature embroiderers who'd worked for kind of 30, 40 years in the wow, area. Wow, wow. Yeah. And so were they all women? Would you say this is a profession that's mostly female dominated or do you have a mix of? In in France and I would say Europe, um, it is mostly female dominated. Like okay. there might be, of an older generation of people in their 40s and 50s, I think there are two male embroiderers in Paris. Wow, wow. But the younger generation in their early 20s, there are much more male embroiderers. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. good to... Yeah. Yeah. But it's just not just for women, that everybody can... Yeah. And it's, I think, you know, from meeting you and knowing you, it's, I've had, it sort of opened the window to embroidery that it's just so broad and actually it's all around us and we just don't realize it. And when we're wearing these beautiful garments and those, you know, flowers that are on there, it's, you know, that's, that's a whole art. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It really is an art form, whether it's expression for beauty or for culture or to, for your identity, embroidery really is a whole world Okay, so if I if I um, if I understand correctly, you have a new exposition coming up that deals with um, it's a combination about women and embroidery and how that speaks and about them as people. Can you explain to me a bit about what this expedition is and where it is and uh, you know how people can see it and and what they can get from it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the exhibition is called The Tears of Aphrodite. The Tears of Aphrodite, okay. Yeah. Les larmes d'Aphrodite <laughs> in French. 
and it's going to be held at the OECD headquarters in Paris. Okay, what is OECD? Excuse me if you don't mind me answering. No, absolutely not. The OECD is the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. Mm. Yeah, very fun. <laughs> uh, <type. laughs> and, and where can we find it? Where are they located? Where Where's the... They're located in the 16th arrondissement, okay. Paris. Okay. And they're holding their first ever conference on violence against women. Oh, wow. So they've invited an awful lot of world leaders and French ministers and the OECD ministers. And it's a two-day conference. And they invited me to exhibit an exhibition I had done for International Women's Day. Oh, okay. Yeah, and with... Well, you've been busy. You got... <laughs> yes, I have been busy, yes. <laughs> well, I think that's it. I was saying to somebody else here, my goodness, you're so busy. And they were saying, well, it's Paris. You have to have a hustle. Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. that's it. No, that's um, exactly right. I yes, know. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to kind of keep things going. And, and you know... I got um, invited to the exhibition in the OECD. They knew about the exhibition because I contacted the Irish in France. Ah, and the lady yes. I was so speaking to works in the OECD, and she mentioned it to the lady who was organizing the conference. So really, That's like we were saying. Fantastic. So, yeah. I mean, in what way will it be connected with women in violence? What will the embroidery be? Well, with this project, um, I worked with a team of Hokutcher embroiderers who um, volunteered their time. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it was yeah. Really, and it was very rewarding for them because we, we generally work in fashion, which isn't necessarily a very meaningful pursuit. Yeah, yeah. So um, the mayor of the 20th arrondissement of Paris um, sponsored us by giving us the space. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. And we invited members of the public to come and make their own animal. Okay. Because in the story when Aphrodite cried, the goddess of beauty and love and creativity, mm -hmm. her tears turned into animals. Oh. So each animal represents a woman who has been a victim of sexual oh violence in France. Mm -hmm. And how, what is that rate of, do you know, the percentage of women who are affected by violence? It's actually, it's very difficult to find figures. We spent quite a lot of time researching that whilst we were preparing for the project. But they estimate that there are two hundred, at least 200 women raped per day in France. <gasps> yeah, the figures are shocking. Oh my God. Yeah. And that's the project that I was trying to do is that we hear figures and they're shocking. But actually to be able to create a piece of art. A visual a presentation. Visual representation, yeah, yeah. So powerful. Yeah, it is. It's yeah, very powerful. Yeah. And the moment that each person makes their flower is meant to be a moment of empathy and compassion and connection. And understanding, yeah. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. That sounds beautiful. And then so also I know that you I mean you're doing so many things. So you're also teaching classes. Okay. Right? So what is it so can you tell us a bit about what your students are learning? How you're, is it, is it mostly Anglophones you're teaching? Mm -hmm. Are you teaching in French and English? Well, yeah, um, I set up the embroidery classes um, to try and actually create a community of expats uh, and to gather people together through embroidery. Nice. Yeah, because I know that there are a lot of people who arrive in Paris, perhaps with their spouse mm -hmm. um, or with mm -hmm. their children. And it can be quite difficult for them to make friends. Yeah. So yeah. embroidery is very much on trend at the moment. And I thought, you know, embroidery is a way of expression and you create beautiful pieces and mm, things. Mm. So why not introduce it through embroidery classes and uh, help people to connect? 
So the embroidery classes are being held at the Weiss Expat Group. Yes, which I know very well. Yeah. Love Weiss. They are so helpful. They do such great things over there. They really are yeah, fantastic. Yeah, 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 they really are. Um, and I also give them at the Saju Haberdashery. Okay. So I mainly give the classes in English, but I'm able to give them in French as well. That's okay. Not a problem. And then uh, I also run the Threads of Connection embroidery evenings at the Shakespeare and Company bookshop. Wow, yeah. I don't know where you find time for all this, because <laughs> even beside from having, you know, international expositions, teaching classes, you also giving people private exclusive tours here in Paris. That's right, yeah. Well, I actually, I give the tours mainly on Friday mornings. Okay. Although I do take, you know, there are larger tour groups and they might, I might bring them on extended tours for a day or two or a weekend. Okay. Um, do you do tailor-made tours also? Or I is do, it more? I do tailor-made, okay. yeah, absolutely. Because okay. there's okay. certain people who come over with specific needs and things like that. And a lot of the haberdasheries, you, with the tours, at, uh, the guests have exclusive entry okay um, okay so that really behind the scenes look and they get to meet the staff and the staff oh, kind that's that's of, great yeah it's yeah. fantastic yeah. it's a yeah. really very intimate personal encounter um and what i really wanted to do was kind of share my love of of this craftsmanship and savoir-faire and yeah yeah and also it's it's an opportunity that we don't often have to chat to French people about the history of where they're working yeah um, yeah and I mean yeah. in fashion you know it's a part of us all absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. we yeah. all thankfully wear clothes <laughs> depends on where you are in the season I guess <laughs> No, I mean that's 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 so amazing that you have been able to um to sort of transition to really live your passion and to find a way to connect to other people, expats and French people included. So, you know, and I know you said in a lot a lot about some of the advice you were giving that it, a lot of it was hindsight. Yeah. So, just to kind of wrap up, what what would you say would be the three major tips you would give someone if they're looking to you know start their career mm -hmm. in in France and they find that it's like you know it seems just like a whole like they they don't feel like they can enter into it's so different and the style is so different what, what would you say would be three things they could do to really give themselves um, the support they need to really restart their career mm -hmm. here in Paris? Yeah, I'd say the number one thing uh, that we've spoken about that I think is most important is to connect with expats. Okay. Um, to connect with the expat groups, create a network, create contacts, mm. um, and let people know what you're trying to do. Because yeah. generally, and you know, in our cultures, if you, if you hear what somebody is looking to do, you want to help them kind yeah. of automatically yeah. and you yeah. start yeah. thinking yeah. of yeah. how you can help. So that would be... Yeah, as a coach, that's my number one advice to people. Know you... If you know what you need help with and you can voice it, then people can help you. But if you don't know and you don't say it, no one can. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. it's really important. Yeah. yeah very yeah, good advice. Yeah. But I think that when you get here, you can be overwhelmed mm. with how many, you know, changes and, and adaptations you need to make. That's 
sometimes you're not even really sure what you need. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or I a guess glass it. of wine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and sometimes going to those expat groups help you to know also what you need because people be like, yes. you need you should do this and you should do that and have you been there and da 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 and and actually those interactions with more experienced yes. uh, people who've been here longer can really help you to know where you should start. And what you need to do. Yeah. Okay. So what would be your second piece of gem of advice? My second gem of advice would absolutely be to be aware of your strengths. Oh, sorry. My second piece of advice would be to be aware of your strengths. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes your strengths aren't viewed that way in this culture. Mm. But don't lose sight of that. Yeah. I think one of the major mistakes I made that was kind of the most difficult was to try and fit into the French workplace mm, mm. Um, and to, you know, narrow myself, narrow my, narrow my abilities and uh, not really shine. Yeah, yeah. And that just doesn't, you know, that just doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, because yeah. the culture we come from, it's shine, shine, shine yeah. if you have something to shine. Yeah, absolutely. It's just all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Like yes. I was saying, you know, being multi-talented, being able to multitask yeah. for us, that's Yeah, so it's one. not losing your personality just because you're integrating into a new culture. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Find how you can shine whilst being in the culture. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you forget who you are. Yeah. And I think that's an experience that's shared by a lot of people. You kind of, in order to fit in here, you kind of have to shave away yeah. certain aspects yeah. of yeah. yourself. And then you can end up losing yourself and your passion for the whole reason you came because it doesn't look anymore like what you initially initially thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that is a trap that a lot of people felt fall into. I certainly fell into. Yeah, it. I did too. In my beginning, the beginning, yeah. beginning years. I mean, yeah. when I came, I didn't speak any French. I had, you know, I knew a lot about the food culture and different things like that. And, but I mean, I did have support from the expat groups, but it was still very overwhelming. Like, and I think, like you said, the, the biggest thing you can do is to study the culture you're going to integrate in, prepare yourself, you know, and, and to release judgment of it and just, and just think about how you can function in it without trying to change it because you cannot change a whole culture. No, no, absolutely not. No, no, no. They yeah. don't want to be changed. It's the main thing. <laughs> so I think that's it. And, and I think the third thing is really, uh, like what worked most for me actually in the workplace here is that, you know, in Ireland, it's, it's considered very important to be part of a team that you are pleasant mm. and yeah. engage with people and create, you know, kind of a nice workplace Listen. atmosphere. Yeah. Um, it's not, it doesn't necessarily work like that here. Yeah. Um, but I still had the same approach. I arrived on time. I was always smiling. I dressed professionally. Yeah. Um, and that actually made me stand out quite a bit um in the embroidery ateliers anyway yeah and those kind of skills of you know interpersonal skills yeah interpersonal skills are invaluable invaluable yeah and it really does help you to kind of stand out here because 
generally the people can be quite reserved people are so reserved yeah, yeah. whereas yeah. when you come in smiling but you have the professionalism behind it you're easier to remember yeah yeah and yeah, to yeah. and to speak to yes yeah absolutely yeah yeah. yeah yeah and that's really helped me with the collaborations that i do with the haberdasheries and with the exhibitions and the research and that kind of thing um yeah so basically always smile yeah yeah be, a, be your happy self <laughs> yeah, yeah if you do happy to be a happy person <laughs> yeah and that really it goes a long way with it the french does. administration as well yeah smile here and there. well because you know what everybody likes good energy yeah Everybody wants to be around good energy and, you know, when they see you, they know your energy is going to lift the mood or, or, you know, just your presence. So, I mean, I totally agree with that. Have good energy, good vibes. Yeah. And you attract good, you know, good things into your life. Yeah. 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 No, I, yeah. I totally agree with that as well. And even, even in the face of yeah. Unpleasant to vibes. Radiate more good yeah, vibes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no, thank you. No bad vibes over here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Rebecca, I really want everybody to be able to find you. So I'm just going to give you the space just to tell us again how we can find you, uh, how people can get information uh, again for your expedition, your tours, and your classes. So yeah. tell us again how we can connect with you. Okay. Well, you can find out about my work as an artist, um, uh, doing textile art and uh, residencies and facilitation and my research on my website, which is www.rebeccadevani.ie. And if you're interested in doing a textile tour of Paris, I think it's a great idea, uh, or an embroidery class, or even coming along to the embroidery evenings in Shakespeare and Company, which are free, by the way. Uh, you can find all the information on www.textiletoursofparis.com. Well, that is perfect. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today and for sharing so much of your life story. And I really know that that will help people. You know, I think having real life experiences, knowing you're not alone, if you're struggling to get your career off of the ground when you first come to Paris, you know, it's to know the best way to, to get through that. So thank you for sharing. Thank you very much, Monique. It was yes. a pleasure. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure I'll have you back again as you seem to be doing everything. So. <laughs> Multitasking, Wendy. Multitasking. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, well, that wraps us up for today. And all the information about Rebecca and her tours, her classes, her expositions will be here on the site of WRP. You will find it in the blurb for... Uh, the show today and please don't hesitate to contact her and leave us any comments or questions that you may have. So we look forward to speaking to you next month. Bye-bye. <laughs>